What is up, everybody? And welcome back. You are listening to Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the podcast where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage. I'm your host, Eric Anderson, and with me, as always, in Studio Suds, co-host of the show, Mr. Nate Uppadel. How we doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Yeah. I'm doing good. I got a salad in my belly. I got a couple Ooh. of uh, games of Starsky and Hutch down. We didn't do too well today, but we that's okay. We didn't, but we almost did. The game we talk about in almost every episode that probably nobody has played. <laughs> I had never, I didn't know it existed. We're probably, <laughs> yeah, we're probably uh, two of ten people to own that game. It's well, a good I, game. I guess one of ten because you don't own it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> got him there. Got me there. Um, yeah, man. Uh, how you been? I've ah, been pretty good. Um, pretty busy week, followed by another busy week. I don't know. Like, is it ever not busy anymore? No. Like, I never don't feel busy. This is life. Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a good week, just like nonstop. So, yeah, it's been fun, though. Yeah. 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 Same. Same. My, uh, my hydroponic tower fell over. Um, which Sad. then forced me to forced harvest some vegetables and fruits that I was not prepared to harvest. And I did get to reap some of those you rewards. You got to reap some of the rewards. A little icebox melon. It was pretty tasty. You know, we call it the onward melon. I'm still uh, wiping watermelon out of my, my whiskers. Exactly. Um, well, you know. we, we just smashed like a quarter of a melon right before we came on air. But see, that's what's nice about the icebox melon is like, it's tiny. Yeah. So like... You know, like, you cut up a watermelon, you're like, okay, well, now I've got watermelon for, like, three days. Right. Two days, if I got a little high, like, yeah. So, but an icebox melon's nice, because, like, again, we crushed a quarter of it in minutes. Like, it's just this little guy. Little guy. Why are you making that face at me, Eric? I love how you said, like, when when you get a little high. Like, this is a children's show, and I've never known you to be a <laughs> consumer of, uh the devil's lettuce so i just think it's funny that like there was a former self of nate that used to get like just baked and his go-to would be a watermelon you ever nosh on a fresh mel um under those circumstances i i don't (laughs) maybe i don't think so you just you haven't lived i haven't lived i've lived lived a sheltered life apparently i'm saying and melons just got legalized yeah when my straight edge co host of a, a, a beer related <laughs> podcast is telling straight me I haven't lived, it's uh, scary. They do. Everybody calls me straight edge Nate. Yeah. What everybody says about me. That's I'm what like, I've yeah, always called I've heard through the grapevine, the watermelon vine. I mean, first time I saw you come into Bald Man, you had like two black X's on your hands, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, well, we're not marking anyone at the door. And you're like, oh, no, I'm here for an interview. I'm like, <laughs> all right um yeah she's in back yeah always wearing your i was playing a lot of punk music and, yeah, yeah you had a minor threat shirt on well you know i mean who doesn't have a minor threat shirt on these days you got one on right now I, that's what that little swoosh means right minor threat yeah it's that's minor threat small. by nike <laughs> <laughs> they sold out hard uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually minor threat bought nike <laughs> All right, all right. For the the few people that are still here with us, we we thank you. Um, the people that have made it this far on our adventure 
through onward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh and, and infinity and beyond. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, this uh I thought I was not gonna like this movie at all. Um it was kinda surprising. it was a sneaky good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't quite as like timeless, I, I think, than a lot of the Pixar movies, but like I don't know. It kinda just seemed like a modern day animated movie. Like it was well done. I got no issues with it, but like I don't think it would really hold up in like I mean 30 20 years however yeah so i disagree with that a little bit and i guess we can maybe talk about that more um later on or now if you want but i i think it was very good i just am trying to figure out how good like just coming off the heels of the best one we've watched in a few weeks um coco Mm -hmm. i'm like all right this movie i really liked it it was a lot of fun but do i like it as much or more than Coco and I guess that's going to be the question that we'll try to answer by the end of this podcast but sure. what I will say is it's not at the bottom of my list no no it's that's well the bottom of your bottom of both of our lists are pretty uh, they're they're holding that position pretty well yeah yeah the uh the animated Larry the Cable Guy special <laughs> yeah I, I'm so glad we're done with the Cars movies. It was getting, like, by the third one, I was like, God damn it, really? One more? Is that what we got to do this again? And, like, the Toy Stories, we did four of those. And I think we were still, like, by the time we got to four, we were, like, ready to watch something else. But we were enjoying it still. Yeah. Like, Car- like, Cars 1, I was fine with. Cars 2 basically drained me of all enthusiasm for Cars 3. Like, I don't think I was, I was able to objectively watch it. Yeah, what was Cars 3 again? That was, like, the one where, like, he's the Lightning Queen gets in the crash, and, like, there's all the new cars. Right, right, and he has to get back into training, and... Yeah. Yeah. Ends up, like, you know, passing passing the reins. Yeah, he's taking on the new, the new fancy supercars. That's right. Yeah. Cars might be one of the worst trilogies in cinema. And it's definitely <laughs> one of the worst animated film trilogies. Actually, like if we could narrow it down just to really solidify like that that stance, like I would say if you were to take now this is getting real narrow, but if you were to take animated film trilogies, which there's a lot of them, sure, and you're to take animated film trilogies that About have like cars, no, not quite that <laughs> narrow, but that let's say like that have doubled their budget or even with inflation of grossed over, you know, a hundred million at the box office, like mm. cars has got to be one of the worst, right? Oh yeah. Like for just a cash grab of a series, like, like I said, the first one was fairly charming. I'm fine with one. Yep. But like the least deserving for a sequel, much less two more, you know, yeah. give me some more fucking Ratatouille. Yeah. Know? More Ratatouille. Um, I'm I'm good with where we've ended up with Nemo. Like I don't I don't yeah. need another one of that. Even a new Wally. New Wally'd be probably kind of fun. That'd be kind of cool. Um, um Yeah, but cars is uh, I'd I'd watch another good dinosaur. Incredibles. Incredibles could Incred- easily be a trilogy. Yep. I could get one more in there. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, cars cars is bad and I don't like it. Vroom kerchow. Bada bing bada boom. Exactly. 
Um, yeah. Well, well, you wanna? How about we uh, crack open this conversation, pal? Yeah. Why don't we uh, tell the people what the heff we're drinking? What the heff is going on today? We're cracking open the conversation with a brew from Revelation Ale Works. Shout out to Nate for picking this one up today. Fresh from Ambibulous. Shout out to Ambibulous, mm-hmm. the go-to supplier of the Suds Buds podcast. The the I, plug. I, I finally got around to explaining, like, because every time I go into Ambibulous, like, I, you know, you have to scan all of the coolers, trying to find some beers that were like could relate potentially to these movies. And finally today, like, I cracked and I explained to him what I was doing and like why it always takes me so long to pick beer. Because like I was in there for like probably like ten minutes, reading every single can up and down, and like he's like, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense." I was like, "Yep." Yeah. He was trying to like make suggestions, but great people, man! I yeah. I cannot praise them enough. What what a fantastic place! Can we, Salsa Dave, can we uh, get you to play uh, Push a Man uh, from from Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap while we uh, we crack open the conversation here in honor of Ambibulous? There we go. Look at that. That's kind of a shit pour again, Eric. You got another I was half. trying to get it up close to you the You got a half and a half. For, you know, ASMR effects. Mm. Well, I get that. That's why I'm on the podcast. That's what I keep seeing in the comments is uh, more ASMR, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we got around. I think I interrupted you before. But we got uh, Upriver Utopia Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen from Revelation Aleworks. Um Oh, it's a collab with Elm Creek Brewing. Huh. Okay, okay, okay. I love the artwork on this can. This is super simple. I. It's a little bit of a clash in styles. Because, like, on the far left, you kind of have this, like, wispy, kind of plumy, like, cloud explosion effect that looks like it could be, like, a really, like, watercolor thing. And then you've mm-hmm. got some, like, kind of digital line work some waves almost um but it melds together it's a lot of blue and black i don't know it's 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 clean it is clean um i don't know if i like that font if i'm gonna be perfectly honest although i like how the the eye is dotted by the little bulb of the r and upriver see that a little fun oh yeah A a little fun with fonts thanks for tuning in have a great week everybody (laughs) uh but yeah this is uh yeah just their collab hef um where is elm creek oh halleck minnesota Uh, that's where revelations from yeah where is elm creek um i think elm creek's a twin cities brewery if i'm not mistaken well already then um coming in a nice five five color's pretty good pretty jazzed about this one but uh, what do you th- Elm Creek Brewing is located in Champlin. Hmm. So. Well, alrighty then. Oh, yeah, that's a half of Eisen. All right. That's really good. All right, all right. Uh, well, what do we say we uh we jump in, give the people maybe what they came for? I don't know what you people are here for anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We we we're glad that you're here. Exactly. We're, just we're not glad. sure why. Exactly. We appreciate you. Yes. Um. <laughs> 
things. <laughs> we mean that in the nicest exactly. of ways. We I, truly I really do, do appreciate you. We're just baffled that, um, you know, there's intelligent people that are willing to take time out of their busy lives and listen to two jabronis talk about kids' movies and, and you know, and beer. maybe catch a slight buzz on a Tuesday. <laughs> but know, thus is life. Exactly. It's a cycle. Should almost like send out, well, I don't know. People probably are like at work. We're, yeah. I'd imagine they're like at work or in their car or busy. Because I was like, oh, it'd be kind of fun. They're drinking along with us. But like, I mean, we could just start old. selling tickets that we don't even sell. We just like have like our own little ticketing site, but it's free. You just have to give us like an email so we can send you episode reminders and free merch and shit. But yeah, you basically just get to come and sit on the Suds Buds couch while we do an episode and drink beer with us. Exactly. Like, yeah, they get to hang out there, or we can uh, open the curtains and they can just stare in at us. Oh, in the front, the front yard. Yeah, of our sunny California studio. Yeah, right outside the porch. Yeah. yeah, we're one of the rare spots in in this area. We live in California to actually have a yard. It's a luxury. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're multimillionaires. But that's <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, maybe moving forward, Suds Buds will be filmed, but not filmed, just recorded in front of a live studio audience. But not really alive because we won't mic them and we'll tell them that to, to, to keep their mouths shut. Shh, we're recording. We're recording here. <laughs> just imagining like did, did somebody you just, just laugh at Nate. Somebody's sitting over in the corner just fucking watching us. Like, <laughs> drinking a beer. Like uh, it's like second beer. They're like they're like, let's crack over the conversation. I pour mine, I pour yours, we dive back in. They're like, Hey, I didn't get a porn. I'm like I, w- I wish people could see my face right now, just like staring, like jaw dropped, like over my mic. Did, did you just? Did you just talk? <laughs> did you not see that we're recording right now? You just asked for, a, dude. Get out of grab here. Grab your own beer. Well, I just thought I'd crack open. Crack open the. Co- did you just say you thought you'd crack open the conversation? Whoa, 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 cowboy. Dial it right back. Dial it right back. That is Nate's line. <laughs> that is trademarked. Yes. <laughs> Got to trademark it. It's going to be great. Anyway. <laughs> now that we got that bit out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. Uh, we're talking onward today. Um, 2020, right? This movie came out? Yes. Yeah. It was uh, the first Pixar film released during the... Uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, This film was released on the date of um, March 6th, 2020. So fresh into the pandemic. Yep. Um, Which is maybe why, because like I said, I didn't hear hear a lot about this movie. And when you don't hear a lot about a Pixar movie, it tends to mean it probably wasn't good. Or like wasn't well received. But like this one just didn't really get a fair fair shake i think yes and i think it really is i mean this film falls into a a grouping of maybe 20 films that probably got released at the worst time i mean march 6th i mean we were laid off like march 12th or 10th something like that like it was pretty early on in that month 
Sure. And um, this film did actually get a theatrical release, but it ended up getting pulled from theaters when theaters got shut down nationwide, just like a week into its release. And then they tried, didn't they do like a premiere access thing? They did do a digital release, but that was a few weeks after the theatrical release. So from what I read, it seemed like it was in theaters, theaters got shut down, and there was actually like a week where this just, you couldn't get this movie legally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So weird kind of weird yeah um yeah anyway so onward kind of sets off you get a voiceover um of what ian ian's the kid's name right yeah yeah ian basically explaining the world yeah different universe basically wizards magical creatures elves whatnot um a bunch of magic in the world but because magic was tough to master um People just started inventing things. Inventing, you know, started off with like a scene where somebody was in like a wooden shed playing with a light switch. Somebody like invented a light bulb and it just kind of snowballed from that point. Um, And we flash forward and it's basically a modern society, um, but filled with magical creatures. But like they've got cars, like none of them do magic. They're just like elves and like what, what's the cyclops and um, um pixies pixies centaurs yeah just like a bunch of different magical creatures all their houses are like mushrooms yeah which was kind of weird i don't know well the name of the town is um mushroom isn't it like mushroom topia or something like that yeah something like it's like that. in the city name um I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the name. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Either either way. Um, So, and like people kind of have stopped believing in magic in this town. Like it's just, it's not a thing that happens anymore. Um, So then flash forward to Ian's house, um, meet his mom and his older brother, uh, Barley. Yeah. Barley, I think. Um, Barley is, like, an older brother, but, like, kind of obsessed with this role-playing game um, that's based off of, like, the history of their world. Um, so a bunch of wizards and magical creatures going on these quests. Basically, like, a kind of a D&D sort of thing. Very much so. Um, and then we find out that um, they're... Oh, yeah, it's Ian's 16th birthday. And we find out also that Ian's dad had gotten, yeah, had passed away um, when he was, like, before he was born or, like, when he was an infant. um, Never really met his dad. Um, So they're kind of going through that. And Ian's trying to become, like, a better person or a better version of himself, which, good on him. But he's a pretty timid kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so he's talking to his mom after like a rough day at school and his mom asking her questions about his dad. And she says, like, I was going to wait until after we had some cake, but like your dad has a present for you. And, you know, he, him and Barley go wide eyed. They're like, what do you mean? And basically his dad had left a present for them um, to open when they were both. 16 um or both older 
so when Ian turns 16 and um, it is a pull out of the attic it is a wizard staff um, with a little note in it and they read the note and basically um, Ian's dad had figured out a spell that they can cast where they can bring him back for one day yes yeah um and it requires a gem called the phoenix gem to use so you put a phoenix gem in the staff and then you cast a spell um and so they try for a while nothing's working or barley's been trying to do it can't get it to work um and then ian's just kind of in his room by himself touches the staff and kind of like yeah, it starts the spell, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's working on it, like, dip, casting the spell, and he his dad starts materializing from, like, the ground up. So, like, the shoes come into focus and, like, gets up to about his waist, and then Ian loses confidence again, and that's where the spell stops and the crystal breaks. Yes. Um, so what we're left with is... Uh, the bottom half of Ian's dad. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Basically just sentient pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he can't hear it. Like, they can't hear anything. Can't, yeah. Sentient pair of pants. Um, so, then he's, he's talking to Barley. And Barley basically explains, like, Oh, you used the Phoenix Gem. Like, we've got to go find another one to finish this incantation. Also, they're on, a, like, a time crunch because the way the spell works, um, you can only do it once. Like, you can only bring this person back for a day once. And now that the spell has started, that timer has started. And so we're kind of on a, yeah, a race against time here to find a new Phoenix gem so we can finish the spell, so we can hang out with our dad for a day. Yep, that's about exactly it. Yeah, um, so they kind of set off on this adventure. Um, their mom's out at the store, so like they leave her notes. And they set off an adventure to the Manticore's Tavern. Uh, Manticore is like a weird lion thing with dragon wings and a scorpion tail. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's like a, 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 is that a Greek mythology? I'm pretty sure that's Greek mythology. Um... I think so. I think these are all Greek mythological characters, but I think some cross over into other mythologies. I know, like, like the Cyclops is. Yeah. But, um, um well, they were, so, but I don't know about elves. Quick, quick side note. Um, you ever, you ever play like any of those Age of Empire games uh-uh. as a kid? Well, but you know what they are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's one that I played a shit ton when I was younger called age of mythology Mm. and you can get manticores in that game but basically (laughs) it's a it's like age of empires or like any of those kind of um um real-time strategy games where you build an army you go fight the other army yep um but it's all based on there's like four classes well there's five with an expansion um but you've got greek mythology you've got norse mythology uh, Atlantean mythology and uh, Egyptian mythology. The expansion added Chinese mythology, but in one of those one of those groups, the Norse mythology is the best one. If anyone wants to play the game, just just do the Norse one. 
But um, you can get manticores in the game. So, like, yeah, it was kind of, like, fun seeing, like, a manticore character. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, like, I'd just build a whole bunch of manticores and just, like, go fuck some people up. It was great. <laughs> I had a great time with it. It was a super fun game. She was probably my favorite character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so back to the, the story here. So they go to the manticore's taverns, kind of, like, up this haunted road. Looks, like, kind of old. And they get in, and it's basically an Applebee's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, there's a big family restaurant. There's, like, some people singing happy birthday right up front. Um, Not even an Applebee's. Almost more like a Chuck E. Cheese. They have, like, karaoke and shit there, too. Yeah, but, like, the karaoke scene, like, that was, like, a bachelorette party. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Although, I... <sighs> I don't know why people go to Applebee's. I used to work at one. That makes sense. I don't know why I did either. It yeah. was only for about like eight months. There you go. Um, no, Applebee's is just like, a, hey, do you want food that you could have just like bought frozen and put into your oven? And then do you want to pay a bunch of money for it? Like, Not even. I think people like it because it's like a cheat. Like you can get like full and fucked up for like dollar menu prices basically i mean especially like when i worked there it was always the the happy hour rush sure like happy hour would start at whatever it was eight or nine or something like that and it was like half price apps till midnight like their happy hour is insane it's like a five hour happy hour like four or five hour happy hour Eesh. half price appetizers like dollar margaritas or something stupid like that like not even like a true blended marg, but like a shaken like mix and real tequila in a pint glass on ice, and um, yeah, so people would come in and they'd get like mozzarella cheese sticks, chicken wings, six margaritas, and their tab would be like fifteen dollars. Oof, um, I would not, I would not want to work that shift. Yeah, it sucked. It, yep. it was the shift we ended up walking out on. Only job I've ever walked out on, and would do it again a hundred times fuck applebee's that's what i would say and specifically the one in fargo that i worked at that one <laughs> sucked um uh, just want to make sure people know where i'm directing this anger at. there you go not all applebee's is that what you're saying not, yeah no not all <laughs> applebee's are bad and i'm sure there's some people that have made just fine careers supporting their families yeah. off of managing an applebee's but. um the one in one in otano is that was like a pretty popping spot um but it, I know what you mean, like, even having worked at one and knowing the clientele, when I drive by a busy Applebee's, like, now in 2021, I'm still like, how? <laughs> like, how? Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, as far as, like, being a sucker for just, like, shitty franchise places, I can do a Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. I can do it. Like, it's... It's loud, it's super high ceilings, like, it's it's just a big, loud place where you can talk to a friend about anything, and there's always going to be someone there in way worse shape than you. There's always going to be, like, worse shape, I mean, like, no, I know. having a worse day, you know what I mean? Well, I thought you were saying just more drunk than you. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm not talking, like, yeah. physical, <laughs> you know, body shape, I'm not shaming anyone here, but, um, and then there's also going to be that dude that's like, 
wearing his suit, talking into like one of his wireless earbuds, like trading stocks and getting fucked up on lunch hour. Like it's just, it's a great place to people watch. There's always sports on like go to a Buffalo Wild Wings at a weekday at like one in the afternoon. Don't stay long because it's kind of depressing, but like you will see that they run the full gamut of sports. Like, even on, like, the weirdest day at the weirdest time when they're, in theory, should be nothing on. Mm -hmm. They have a live game. Like, I think they subscribe to the no replays in this building thing. So it's, like, they got cricket on, like, 12 TVs at, like, noon, you know, on Wednesday. It's kind of great. I'm here for it. Sorry, I have derailed this. I just wanted to sing some praises for, like, Buffalo Wild Wings has a place and purpose. Um, I want to go back to Applebee's for a quick thing. Because they were doing this special where it was like dollar whatever drink for like the month of whenever. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you know what special I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, they do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Like they do like a feature. Like was like Jack Daniels or something like that. Well, no. This was like a like a dollar mojito. Oh, okay. okay. Or like... It was probably a, the margarita. Well, they did dollar margaritas, yeah. but like they'd make like a new cocktail and it'd be like dollar whatever. Dollar this drink. Dollar that drink for like a month. And I ended up being at one for one of those. Oh, yeah. It was dollar Long Islands. And I like I didn't expect there to be like your standard amount of alcohol that a Long Island contains in these dollar things at this point like i was like can i like i had like two and i'm like okay so you just you're charging me a dollar for a coke like every time i get a coke it was like next to nothing in these things i mean it's all pre-made and i get it because like (laughs) if i was a bartender i'm not gonna make a whole bunch of long islands or like for a dollar a piece. I thought you were going to say it was the other way around. That You thought it was going to be a rip-off and they were actually really strong. No, it was it was a rip-off. Like, somehow paying a dollar felt like a rip-off. But I was like, like the bartender would come up, I'm, or like our server would come up. I'm like, okay, can I get like two of these at a time? Like, <laughs> I just want something. Like, I don't know why I had already committed to only drinking these Long Islands. Do you all do these by the pitcher? That, that's exactly what it was. But I'm like, there's just like... A shot per pitcher at this point. Like, it was, yeah. wasn't great. And that was kind of like my last straw with Applebee's. Um, just looking up Applebee's deals right now, apparently they're really pushing a three-course meal deal for eleven ninety nine. Damn. <laughs> three-course meal. <laughs> Oof. And $5 spooky sips. Spooky sips? What's a spooky l- sip? Looks like it's a, uh... Oh, God. Bet there's a lot of sugar in that. Well, yep. they've got it slapped with the must be twenty one drink and drive responsibly right on the promo. I don't know if that's a by law thing, but it seems like that's just because they're pushing their boundaries. It's like a Bacardi bowl, like it's basically a five dollar like bowl fish bowl fish bowl with uh yeah. The only spine chilling delicious cocktail. Sip on something spooky, spooky this Halloween. Frighteningly tasty top shelf mucho cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> Bet. It says, uh, Dracula juice. Sink your teeth into this mouth-watering wild bear creation of a Patron tequila margarita and Bacardi Superior daiquiri. Tipsy zombie. Cure your cravings with Bacardi Superior. 
uh, passion fruit, pineapple, cherry, lime, and a gummy brain topped with melon liqueur. And then right below it, not even kidding you, looks like it's another drink option. It says, drink responsibly. <laughs> we treat this drink like any other alcoholic beverage we serve and follow responsible alcohol practices. Please drink responsibly. Don't drink this and drive. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I know where we're going right after this episode. Oh, yeah. AutoZone. That reminds us. When you're choosing not to drink and drive. Choose not to drink and drive at AutoZone. Well, wait. They only paid for so many spaces. <laughs> anyway, I suppose I can get back to you know the, the story at hand here. Uh, yeah, so we're in the Manticore's Applebee's. Uh, it's half off apps hour. And the Ian and Barley um, ask the Manticore, because the Manticore is apparently like an immortal being. Like, Must be. It was like kind of this weird thing, but like she like is in this game that Barley played that's like based off history. And he's like, all quests start at the Manticore's tavern. And like... They, they weren't referring to, like, a manticore. It was, like, the manticore's tavern. So, like... And, Maybe it's a family thing. But, hold on. But, then, like, they're asking for, like, this map. And, like, basically the manticore just apparently knows everything about everything. Um, also, the manticore is basically just, like, a, a GM of this... Like, is acting like a GM of this place. Yes. Yeah. Um... But, like, the manticore, for one, like, has her picture up on, like, the, like, that big portrait of her up on the wall, like, holding a Medusa's head and, like, a sword. A sword, yeah. And, like, ba- and with the Phoenix Gem map, she was like, oh, this is, like, oh, this, this, or these men kids' menus are based off my old maps. So, like, she lived in the time that quests were happening. Which then leads me to believe that she's immortal. Or, like, just... Yeah. Kind of immortal. But, like, she was around during, like, those times, and she's now running in Applebee's. Um, But anyway, so... They see, like, the original map on the wall, and they go to grab it, and she's like, no, you can't take that. Basically, like... Trying to dissuade them because quests are dangerous and every they they all these creatures have become like creatures of comfort. Um, and then they like the more they talk to her, Ian kind of steps out of his shell and is like, "No, I need this map. Like, you need to do this." And starts like convincing her, and she kind of goes off the rails, like upset with what she's become, and kicks everybody out and starts burning down her own restaurant well before that she points them to the actual map well yeah that's what i'm saying she pointed them to the actual map and also shows them like the kids map or the kids menu that is based off the actual map but at this point didn't she like catch them trying to grab the map or something like she has the map in her hands at this point i remember yep and that becomes important because because then she again when she starts setting her applebee's on fire right um she ends up burning the original map yes um so then 
the boys escape from there and take the kids' menu with them. Um, yes. Using that as kind of just a sort of map. And they see a thing, or the, the puzzle is solved on this kid's menu, and it says it's Raven's Point. Um, and this is like a weirdly important part, um, but there's an interstate that brings them to Raven's Point Mountain. Um, but Barley wants to take, what's it called, the, the path of Path of Peril. He wants to take the path of peril, which has got basically side roads. He wants to take side roads, and Ian wants to take the interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up going on the side roads, or they end up going on the interstate for a little bit, and then they have to pull off for gas. Um, and then they... I don't remember exactly why they end up on the path of peril. Oh. Well, they fight with the pixies at the gas station. Yep, they fight with the pixies at the gas station... And they end up getting pulled over by some cops. Um. Yes. I mean the. I mean that's like. I suppose we're running a little long, but yeah. yeah. Between the pixies and the gas station and the cops, I mean, there's a pretty long while between there. We have a long chase scene, like a yeah. pretty badass chase scene, um, where they're. Yeah, trying to survive, and a lot of stuff really happening there. Um, earlier in the film, Ian's kind of made a list of things he wants to accomplish with his dad, and. Throughout the film, you know, there's these sequences that are in direct reference to that list. And this happens to be the one which is learn how to drive, I think is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, and at one point earlier in the film, we actually see him failing his driver's test um, because he didn't merge properly. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of important because during this chase scene, you know, his brother's kind of coaching him into this and... Well, his brother has kind of already proven to us as an audience as being slightly aloof and kind of, um, eh, maybe a little immature for his age. Yep. Um, you know, he's kind of instilling some confidence in Ian that's helping Ian kind of grow and become a, a more, you know, um, adult. less wary, yeah, adult. Um, but I just thought that chase scene, I mean, that's, that was my favorite sequence in the movie. I thought it was so well done. I thought it was really cool the stuff they did i mean there was some goofy physics defying cartoony stuff but overall i mean that scene was like pretty badass it was a pretty fun chase scene and the pixies were just kind of a fascinating thing because it's like initially when we see these motorcycles pull up to the gas station it looks like ghosts yeah there's nothing riding the motorcycle like they're full full motorcycles but there's nothing riding it um turns out it's just like a team of pixies operating each motorcycle. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, they're a motorcycle gang and they're very, uh, temperamental. Um, basically they all have little man syndrome. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of little man, Barley actually, it gets shrunk right before the chase scene. Um, and just, I guess kind of bringing us up to speed here after that chase scene, Barley, the spell wears off. He grows back to full size Ian Barley and their father are safe, but they get pulled over by um, some colleagues that work for the same police department as um, Ian Ian and Barley's mom's boyfriend. Yeah. And basically they decide the best plan of action is to use some sort of a confidence spell to disguise themselves as the... Is he a minotaur? He's a centaur. Centaur, yeah. So... 
Um, they disguise themselves as a centaur, but one of the stipulations for this spell is that they can't lie yes. while they're being the centaur. Um, Heavy and, scene, kind yeah, of. Yes. Um, so they basically have to talk their way out using this disguise, but without lying. And eventually they do talk themselves out, but one of the officers mentions Barley and how Barley's such a screw-up. And Ian says, I don't think that, and part of the spell wears off. Um, and Barley sees this, so then what Barley determines is that Ian thinks he's a screw-up because that's how the spell works. Like, the spell starts fading if you lie as, like, while you're using it. Yep. Um, so Barley kind of pisses Barley off, um... They end up talking about it, and to apologize to Barley, Ian then agrees to go on the path of peril instead of the interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, yeah, um, they continue on this, and they come across come to this uh, bottomless pit, essentially, just like a canyon uh, with a bridge, and Ian has to use his spell that allows him to walk across like a gap like they call it like the spell of invisible bridge or something not a lot of nuance with a lot of these names um, yeah not really at all but basically he has to cast a spell and then walk out he can't see the bridge but he has to walk out and trust that the spell's working first time he does it uh he falls off the cliff immediately Barley catches him, they tie a rope to him, and then they try again. Um, halfway, it starts working halfway across the bridge. Uh, the rope runs out of room, ends up getting untied, and Ian doesn't notice it, He's but he's gaining confidence. Basically, it's a scene where we're in real time watching Ian gain confidence in himself that he can do things. Yeah, that's a good way yeah, to put it. That's kind of like the whole thing. Um, and when they get across the bridge, they see a raven statue, um, and the beak is kind of pointing off in a weird direction away from the Raven's Point Mountains. Um, Barley suggests that, oh, we should follow where the ravens are pointing, not go to Raven's Point. So they start doing that, and, um... And there's another chasing with the cops, whatever. Um, Barley sacrifices his van that they've been using to block the cops from getting to them. And, um, yeah, then they find this last little spot. Um, they have to go, like, underground and go through a water cavern. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a fun scene where, like, they end up in... Or, yeah, they end up... Uh, Riding a Cheeto through a river. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of like... They're getting along better than they used to. Um, and then they encounter a big gelatin blob. Yeah, the gelatinous cube. And that is also a character straight out of... Um, whew, listener of the show, uh, Justin, will probably know this one. But, um, oh, man... It's a character that's appeared in games before, tabletop games. I think it's appeared in definitely in a video game that I know it from. Um, it'll come to me. Um, 
I want to say Path of Exile, but that's not right. It's a fantasy game. I believe it's a spinoff of D&D. It was on PS2. Oh, man, this is stumping me. I got nothing for you. You got nothing? I got nothing for you. Damn. Um, I'll keep going while you're doing this, though. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, they're going through this cave. Um, Takes a little bit of work. And they find, or they end up crawling through this hole in the top of a room that's flooding. And they come out of a point, and they are right back at their high school. Sorry. Okay. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. All right. All right. Um, so at this point, again, like they, they're on a time crunch. They've got a handful of hours. Oh, one thing from the Cheeto scene um, that's pretty important is uh, Barley tells Ian about this memory he has of his dad where when his dad was sick... Um, Barley was scared to go in and see him like attached to all the machines like tubes whatever keeping him alive so he ended up not going in and not getting to say goodbye to his dad um, and yeah so that's why he wants to bring his dad back so he can say goodbye officially uh, but anyway back to where we were at they climb out of this um, the sewer grate and they end up right back in front of their high school and Ian kind of lashes out at Barley. Um, he's pissed off because Barley made them take this weird path to get there. And now they're out of time and they have no time to go finish the spell. Um, and Ian kind of like walks. Yeah, Ian like leaves Barley there. Barley's kind of struggling to figure out what's going on. Um, and Ian's sitting on a cliffside with the sentient pants of his dad. Um, reading this list that he's been going through the and he starts like crossing things off things he doesn't have time for anymore to do with his dad and it's at this point he starts to realize that while he didn't have a dad barley has basically been helping him to become the person he wants to be throughout his whole life yeah man that scene was real that scene was real it was uh it was heavy because like yeah, like he starts checking things off and like going back through this list and seeing that Barley was there for him the whole time. It's a good, uh, it's a good message. It's a good message, I think, especially for a children's film these days because it's just kind of, uh, it's the classic making, you know, if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And in this case, you know, poor Ian was, uh, you know, never really got to know his dad. You know, mm-hmm. and arguably Barley didn't either, but he got to know him a little better than his younger brother. Yeah. But uh, I think it was just kind of the world's way of telling him, like, hey, man, no amount of wishing or hoping or working or traveling is going to actually bring back your dad. Um, maybe appreciate what you got in front of you. Yeah. And I think it was pretty cool. Pretty cool the way they illustrated it. I was really bummed that because we're basically here right now. I mean, at this point in the film where Barley gets to hug his dad. Don't don't you skip ahead here, boy. This is an important thing. Okay. All right. Come on now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on now. Um yeah, so uh Ian realizing that like Barley's always been there for him, um rushes back to find Barley at this fountain that's right across from the school. It's like an ancient fountain. Um, that Barley earlier in the movie was trying to, like, prevent people from demolishing. 
um, in this fountain, he ends up finding the Phoenix Stone. Um, but the Phoenix Stone releases a curse. Uh, a curse basically creates this giant dragon. And that was kind of a funny scene. Like the dragon's face, like it's a stone dragon and the dragon's face. This high school that they're at, their mascot is a dragon. And so the dragon's face ends up being like a cartoon painted Stupid, brick wall. derpy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. Yes, it was great. Um, so they are working on fighting this dragon and Barley decides he's going to distract the dragon so Ian can finish the spell because we're almost out of time. Ian can finish the spell to meet his dad. It's not even a dragon. It's a curse that has manifested itself in the yeah. form of like... It's a, it's a guardian curse. Okay. Yeah. Right, Nate. Fair. Um, but uh, so they're, they're kind of going through this little battle and then Ian realizes he's like, you know what? Barley's always been there for me. I didn't know my dad. He didn't know his dad. But Barley did get to meet his dad and has regrets so ian then decides that barley should get to meet the dad because yeah they've got basically five minutes um so they kind of switch places where ian sacrifices his only chance to meet his dad to give barley closure on not saying goodbye to his dad which is a pretty important part like basically ian sat yeah ian sacrificing his only chance so that Barley can get closure. I thought that was dumb, though. You didn't like that? I didn't like it because the whole movie... Ian's so much wiser, despite his age, than Barley. And he's making this list about all these like heartfelt things he wants to do with his dad. And these conversations he wants to have. And while he's talking to Barley, like, well, What do you want to do with that? All he wants to do, really, is ask him what his wizard name would be. Sure. And to me, I thought, like... <sighs> I mean, if if it really was going to be, like, the closure and, like, the I never got to say goodbye, then, like, lead with that. You know, have him say that when they're driving down the van in the first, like, 15 minutes and they're figuring out what they want to say to their dad again. I think put that out there right away because it seems like... Well, they they did cover that, though, in on the Cheeto cheeto scene they kind of cover like this whole barley like that's why barley decided he's never going to be scared of anything yes because he was scared of saying goodbye to his dad yes no i don't disagree with that but they even like it seemed like he was really concerned like it seems like his obsession with magic is rooted from his dad's obsession with it and it's like of all things that he wants to know is just what's your dad's wizard name and he even asks that. Yes. Like, he does He does ask that question, ultimately, even though he's only got a few just fleeting seconds. And that's where I was like... Yeah. Man, that, that... Let, let Ian have that time. Like, he's he's the one that continually has been bailing them out. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for him discovering that he had magic powers and could like control them with confidence they would never have made it there that's true we didn't even talk about the walking bridge and stuff like that i, I talked mean, about the walking bridge i did a whole thing on the walking bridge <sighs> but i i don't disagree with you on a big part of that where it's like i mean the rope and everything like 
Barley repeatedly made like very questionable, negligible decisions throughout the film. Sure. And put his brother in harm's way. And it was constantly his brother bailing him out. It wasn't until Barley sacrificed his van. That Barley really became like a team player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I get that. Um, But yeah, so Ian sacrifices, yeah, makes that sacrifice. um, And then Barley basically is like, hey, dad wanted me to give you this and just gives him a hug. And, you know, that's kind of the end of the movie. And then there's like a scene from like kind of fast forward. There's a scene where they're going on like another adventure and Ian makes their van fly. It's a whole dang thing. Yeah, he gets ends up getting a new van. Yeah, it's, I mean, all in all, pretty adorable ending. Like, yeah. a little, yeah, a little iffy on, like, the wizard name thing. But um, I don't think that, that didn't, eh, I didn't like it, but it's fine. Also, the shot of, like, Ian from the rubble watching through, like, a little peak hole, like, his brother hugging his dad. I hated that. You don't like that? No. Like, it just, it ultimately seemed very, like unrewarding and just kind of flat where it's like they gave us every reason to want ian to win like barley was by no means an antagonist but it was like we were seeing this film unfold through the eyes of ian more or less and rooting for him and i feel like at the end when it's like he's really the only character that's really grown in this movie Mm -hmm. you know other than the um the the magic chord manticore manticore those are really the only two characters that have a big transformation Mm -hmm. and i just felt like man he was deserving to like yeah you're right because like i don't know barley yeah like he's the same as he was the same at the end even when he says i don't need that van it's just a stupid old van like there's multiple times in the film where like he talks about abandoning it but at the end of the day he's still just like kind of a punk like 20 something year old kid that's obsessed with like fantasy and history and and D more or less yeah. but, i don't yeah. know i just think ian had a lot more um it's a lot more reason to give the scene to ian but the scene kind of then also made it about like ian growing up and realizing not everything's about him that's not a bad point that's not a bad point but yeah I don't know. I'll go back and forth on it. We'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's put a bow on the uh, plot summary of the film. You good with that? I'm good. I'm good with that. All right. And then let's also uh, let's move onward and put a bow on the uh, summary of this beverage. Again, we've been sipping on a beverage from Revelation Ale Works, collaboration with Elm Creek Brewing. It is the Upriver Utopia Hefeweizen. Mm. And it's delicious. It is delicious. This is a pretty nice half. Super high carb, which I love. Um, yep. Getting a little bit of lacing on the glass from these bubbles. There's a lot of bubbles. Um, little cloudy, which I like from a half. I don't necessarily want them to be crystal clear, but this is like extra cloudy yeah. for a half. Um, this, this is like a light hazy at this point. Yeah. It's... Um, Pretty dry with a lot of like banana flavor, not so much clove, but I'm getting like a little bit of pepper, hmm. like black pepper. You know how you almost get that from like, uh, um, like Belgian whites 
Okay, yeah, like, like a, a bite right on the tail. Yeah, like sure. on the tongue. Safe. I think we both saw that wasn't safe. You that's, spilled beer. That's why we don't have cameras in the studio. <laughs> this episode was not filmed in front of a... Live audience. Live audience. Um, yeah, man, I really like this. I would buy this again. I haven't seen this one before. Haven't had a lot from Revelation, but... Stuff I'd had has been pretty solid. Yeah. I'm going to put this at a 4.2 up there with some of our better halves. Not mm-hmm. quite the best, but uh, 100% would drink again. Would recommend um, coming to the end of a half season here. But if you're like me, it's half season year-round, baby. <laughs> if I can find a half, it's still half season. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be right in that ballpark with you. Um yeah, it is a really well done half. Basically, the biggest thing I would want from want more from it is again a little clove, a little spice to it. Um, at this point, it's just kind of a very weedy banana. Yes, and I love the banana flavor. I really, really do. Um, just I wanted something else hiding in there, you know, like a one-two. I'm just get, I'm getting the right hook. I'm getting no left hook, you know. I. I don't disagree at all. Yeah. Um, I hate to do it, but I think uh, I think I'm going right there with four two as well. Um, there's room for improvement, but this is probably one of the better half of Eisen's I've had this year. Um, yeah, we're gonna go four two. This is a crushable one. Do you like it better than the bald man half of Eisen? <clears throat> Or, or is that I, is them fighting words? I I don't I wouldn't I don't think so, um, but the bald man half, it's got that lighter body, like I don't think our half particularly has a lot of that clove flavor that I really like, but it's a much lighter like it's still got the body but it's a much lighter. This is pretty, this is a pretty heavy half. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like a, uh, a heavy bison. Uh, a heavy bison, yes. <laughs> the Revelation Aleworks Heavy Bison. Yeah. That should be a really fun name for it. It would be. Yeah. Just a completely unfiltered. Ooh, call your Dunkle Bison your Heavy Bison. That could be fun. But I feel like people would get confused with the name. It's also, quick side note, super fun to watch. Like, people try to pronounce hefeweizen like when they they're not sure but like they give it their best yeah and like it's not even making fun of them it's just kind of fun like hearing what they think that how you how they think that word's pronounced yes yep um hefeweizen like there's not even an r in it but i get hefeweizen a lot the real hard w yep hefeweizen can i get a hefeweizen (laughs) <laughs> or like there's a t in there sometimes like can i get the uh the heavy what white like whiteson heavy whiteson yep it's like you tried kid exactly like, i appreciate people trying yeah you know but it's just again it's fun it's like with uh telemarketers where they try to pronounce my last name like yeah it's, yeah most of my friends don't even know how to pronounce my last name so like and a telemarketer who i mean I think they're pretty um, 
consistently butchering names. So, yeah, it's just a fun one. But, yeah, Revelation Aleworks, Uptown Utopia, uh, mixed with Elm Creek, or collab with Elm Creek. 4.2. couple of 4.2s from your... A couple your, of 4.2s. Uh, from the neighborhood Suds Buds. 4.2.0, praise it, you know? Stop it. Got it. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick little break. We will come right back with some fun facts, some music facts, and another beer review. So stay tuned. What is taking you so long? Oh, no. Sprites used to fly around spreading delight. That's a good thing. Sprites can't fly. Well, your wings don't work because you stopped using them. You calling me lazy? No, 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 not you. Your ancestors. What did you say about my ancestors? I didn't mean lazy. I'm sorry, very sorry. He's sorry, too. You don't need to fly. Who needs to fly? I mean, you got those great bikes. What are you doing? I was just discussing history. Barley, I'm trying to take care of you and Dad, and you're not making it any easier. Dad, come on. Oh, no. We're dead, we're dead. Relax. They won't be able to lift those bikes. Oh, they are strong. We're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. It's locked. What? Where are the keys? Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us as we talk about Onward, the hit Pixar film from 2020. And was it a hit? I was going to say, hit is in quotations there at best. I think I say that for every episode, just to make Pixar feel good, because they they definitely need a shameless plug if anyone does. That's what I always say about Pixar. But, uh, yeah. 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 Pretty pretty good so far. So we're going to keep moving along, and uh, we got some fun facts for you. Crack open this conversation. Look at this guy. The boy's thirsty. Keeping me on the ball. Uh, so I did, I was in charge of the beer this week and, uh, um, yeah, like I said, I was talking to the ambivalent guy and, uh, found two beers that worked. Um, first one was that Revelation and Elm Creek collab. Um, and I just grabbed the other one because like the name worked and it is Fabled Forest by none other than Elm Creek. So we got two Elm Creek collab and, you know. And Elm Creek original. They got um, that. Mm, 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 they got mm. that. God damn. Or the pusher man. They're the they're the pusher man. <laughs> or they're just uh, really into onward. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I just really like this movie. Uh, but oh, thinking, I was talking on Bibulus. Oh, I was talking or Elm Creek, but yeah. you know, teach their own. Bibulus is the pusher man, as I referred to them earlier. Ah, uh, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. They're the plug. <laughs> Bless their hearts. Um, But yeah, we got the Fabled Forest, a New England double IPA coming in at 8.5%. Fabled Forest starts the journey with a whirlpool packed with strata and then is heavily dry hopped with strata and Vic's Secrets Hop. Vic Secret Hop. Uh, Brimming with notes of passion fruit, pineapple, grapefruit. Its aroma is potent. And dank enough to get lost in. Elm Creek Brewing. Well, I'll tell you what, Nate. If I know one thing, I know that that's a lot of words. 
And if I know another thing, it's that the only thing that matters when it comes to beer things is flavor. So, everything you just said, as much as I, I appreciate you, it doesn't matter. Until we find out, what the heck is a Midcoast IPA? That's not this beer. That's the one. Oh, that's the other one. That's the other one. That's right. That's the other beer. Sorry. We, I actually picked up a third beer, but we opted for this one because it has a more fitting name. We talked a lot of beers off air. This is hoppy boy though um but just for those curious we have a crowler of a collab between dual citizen and dangerous man yes called dueling dangerously and it is labeled as a mid coast ipa yep so we're, we're gonna go find out what that is a little bit later yeah very very curious with that one um also might be the only way you can get dangerous man Yep. At retail? Yep. If it's a collab. If it's a collab, yeah. But uh, Elm Creek, it looks like, yeah, you can get their stuff on its own. And also, badass can. Very cool can. Very cool. I mean, very, like, just a a metallic wrap on a, just a silver can. Mm -hmm. um, And just kind of like the, 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 not the full wrap, kind of the mid wrap that people are doing. Um, Yep. Looks really clean. Looks really good. It's really reflective some trees in the background yeah artwork on this 10 out of 10 yep everything nate just read 10 out of 10 but and what about nate uh nate he's uh he gets a passing grade (laughs) i'll take that all right get to them fun facts there boy we'll tell you what i like to end things on a high note so i do have one special fact that is not such a fun fact but i'll get that one out of the way right away um so the first fact is that this film was actually banned in a handful of countries oh what um arab countries in specific so we got kuwait um oman qatar and saudi arabia as one of the female cyclops police officers and the character named specter voiced by lena waith um briefly indicates that she is a lesbian um very brief reference like kind of uh you know you're doing something else you'll miss it at the time but she references like how she understands it's the scene when the cops are talking to uh barley and ian and they're impersonating the centaur cop yep she makes a reference kind of to empathize with them about how it's not easy being a new parent. My girlfriend's daughter's got me pulling my hair out. So and that gets a whole ass movie banned. Yeah, and so um, basically, people are wondering like, why? Um, yeah, homosexual acts in the Middle East are not. Um, it's sad, but it's not something that is accepted in that culture to this day, unfortunately. As well as just like women's rights in general. Not to get super political or sad. It's kind of why I wanted to get this out of the way. Is like, it's. I, I, I wish I could say it shocks me. But knowing that those were the places that banned it, and I'm not some sort of a crazy xenophobe or anything like that, but like, it's just. Uh, it sucks, man. It sucks that there's places in the world where mentioning things like that in a children's movie, where in America, I think we can say that that's probably a good thing you know that's probably some kids lives and they're wondering why that isn't portrayed in their films Mm -hmm. so for me for you 
sorry to speak for you, but like I did catch it in the movie and I was like, oh, that's refreshing. And that was about it. That was about the only thought I put into it. Yep. You know, didn't, didn't hang on it. I was just like, good for them. And it freaking sucks that those four, um, countries opted to have it banned. Um, also other places, um, where it was screened, um, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Lebanon, and Egypt, it was, um, changed in the dubbing to my sister's daughter. I was wondering, okay, cause that, that's like the, the thing I was about to go to is like, as we've mentioned several times before in some of these movies, they just like, oh, this isn't going to work in this country. So we're going to change the words, but I suppose those countries, the ones that did ban it, they're just like, no, we're not going to support a company that does something like this. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, also, this is probably equally as bad, but in Russia, apparently there's a gay propaganda law officially criminalizing the quote-unquote dissemination of LGBT-related content to minors under the age of 18. Huh. Which is, again, fucked up. It's basically saying if you have gay parents, like, tisk tisk, shame on you. Um, yeah, it was also changed in, in uh, yeah, the Russian dub. So in that one, it was uh, my partner's daughter got me pulling my hair out. Um, yeah, apparently changed in Poland and Hungary as well. So a lot of places still to this date in the world that just, Actually, I, I just need to get it figured out. I saw a headline the other day that like Switzerland just uh, legalized gay marriage. I think it was Switzerland. And I was like, the fuck took you so long, Switzerland? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's one of those, like, you just kind of assume that that was okay. And it turns out it wasn't. And I think we kind of have this image too, like as a Western society that Europe is like super ahead and super progressive on a lot of things, but like there's oppression there too. I mean, and I don't want to come up like I'm on a high horse because we also have Texas and all their bullshit that's been going on the last month or so. So it's like, again, if you know, you know, and if you don't read about it because you owe it to yourself to know. Um, Exactly. And I I don't think this is a political statement, uh, but fuck Ted Cruz. Yeah, no, no. That's not that's, even a political statement. No, Just, that's a no. morally correct statement. Um, <laughs> Fucking Ted Cruz. <sighs> Just even the name, man. I don't know. I wouldn't hang... Do you know anybody named Ted that you like? Not in real life. Maybe fictional characters, but yeah, not in real life. Okay. Yeah. You, you got Ted Williams, uh, baseball player. You got... Uh, um, Teddy Bears. Wait, is Ted Williams a fictional character? No, no, but I mean, okay. I haven't met him, so he might as well be. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so one more time for the people in the back. Fuck Ted Cruz. Yeah. Uh, back to the fun facts. Yeah, and one more time for the people in the back. Um, th- this is sad. Like, it's it's just a sad thing. I wanted to get it out right of the way, right Right off the bat, it's probably the most serious we'll get this episode, but, uh, you know, I love all people from all different walks of life. But You know who else loves all people from different walks of life? Not Ted Cruz. AutoZone. And that reminds me, <laughs> quarantine got you stuck at home, 
Pandemic got you going nowhere. Tell you what. Just because you're not driving doesn't mean you can't get quality new auto parts in the privacy of your own home. If you find yourself in a situation where you got some extra time on your hands and, you know, maybe your car's been sitting for a while. Cars are like houses. When they go a long period of time without being used, it's not good on them. Cars are a product. They're a piece of technology meant to get used. So if your car needs a little work and you got some time to do it, hey, do it yourself. DIY. AutoZone has a great online hub for you to get all your quality new auto parts at a discount price none of this mechanics get a special deal but you gotta pay more because you're just an average joe go on their online site browse that portal find something good for yourself and treat yourself maybe your uh maybe your pathfinder needs a new bumper you know maybe you hit a snowbank last winter and you haven't been out and about much do it with autozone do it with autozone autozone proud sponsor of the suds buds (laughs) podcast Moving along now to our fun facts, and I promise I don't have a lot of them, but they're fun ones. Did you know that similar to Ian and Barley in Onward, director of this film, Mr. Dan Scanton, excuse me, Dan Scanlin, Scanlin, classic, also lost his dad at a young age. Um, it was his curiosity about what his father had been like that ultimately served as the starting point for this film's development. So much so that there's a photo that we see early on in a um, on like a, a bulletin board in their house that is a direct reference. Basically, they took a childhood photo of his when he was a young child with his slightly older brother and his dad and spoofed it to kind of make it fit the realm of elves and and fantasy so i thought that was kind of a little homage yeah and really cool way to kind of spark a premise for a film i don't even know if i would say a premise but just kind of like got the wheels turning because i mean just from what i told you there you know losing his dad at a young age and wanting to use that as inspiration for a film there's a million directions you can go with that yeah but i thought this movie did a really good job of of capturing what that might be like um did you know the title of this film holds a dual meaning um so just bear with me here so onward is first spoken in the film when barley shifts uh is it genevieve guinevere guinevere into o for onward and I don't even think that was like a factory thing in his car. It looks like he like kind of yeah. taped over it. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's not drive. It's it's onward because every day for Barley is an adventure. Um, but did you know that the title also has a deeper meaning as well? So according to director Scanlon again, uh, the decision to use onward as a title was because the word really encompasses the journey of maturing and moving on from one's traumatic loss. So there you go. Did you know Quests of Yore is a real game? So Quests of Yore is the game they play in this film. Kind of a cross between Magic the Gathering and D&D. Easiest way I can can picture it. Maybe a little bit of Warhammer because it seems like there's some figurines in there. Yeah, you got the little pieces. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, but from what I've read, Quests of Yore, actually a pretty intricate game. Um, So during the development of the film, the story team created the elaborate fantasy role-playing game to showcase Barley's eccentric personality, as well as to serve as a guide 
for the two brothers as they embarked on their journey. The development of the game proved to be so elaborate that the team ended up partnering with Disney Consumer Products to create a real-life version, which will be available later this year. And this was published in uh, 2020, this article I'm re reading off of. So Quest of Yore is out there. Um, I feel like I've heard of it before. And like that, so it sounds like it must have done pretty well. I think it was like a quarantine game. That's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, be interesting to see what kind of um, feedback that game got, or what kind of interaction it got from people who hadn't seen the movie but were just into tabletops. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we can find out. Um, while you're doing that, I'll look though, up my own fun fact. This is probably my favorite one on the same note as what I just said. Uh, Pixar actually, for this film, created a team known as the quote-unquote Fellowship. Basically, it was a group of Pixar team members who lived and breathed the fantasy lifestyle. The group consisted of Harry Potter fans, Lord of the Ring fans, cosplayers, video game streamers, role-playing enthusiasts, and anime fans. The Fellowship was consulted for their insight into the world of fantasy to help inspire the shape, excuse me, to help inspire and shape the unique world of New Mushroomton and the game Quests of Yore. So, yeah, basically, they got a bunch of nerds like us just to consult, and what a sweet job that would be. That would be kind of fun. It would be like if Star Wars just, like, hit up my buddy Chuck to, like, you know, fact check him and i think that'd be the coolest job ever and i think chuck would take that job in a heartbeat too because that man loves some star wars uh shout out to chuck he regularly uh shares his stuff on instagram so we appreciate that thanks for the show um and my final fun fact i said i didn't have a ton for this one but did the best i could uh it seems like the newer films a little bit tougher time finding fun facts but uh anyways did you know if you look at the map in close detail in the far left corner the land is labeled the brave wilderness this just happens to be located next to lock lake which is a solid reference to scotland the place where brave took place hey. kind of insinuating that they are traveling on a similar path that uh Merida traveled. So Merida's family didn't make it. Huh? Merida's family. So like Merida's whole, I mean, because they're set far in the past from when this movie would have been. Yes. I didn't see a single human. Yeah, but maybe this is like another dimension. Maybe, uh, maybe that just the elves went out. Because they still drive like normal cars. Yeah, you saying elves can't make cars? No, I'm saying maybe it's still Earth. Maybe they're just existing in another like dimension. It's like another sphere. They're still inhabiting this planet. They just can't interact with human life, and we can't interact with them. I mean, all I'm saying is, uh, you know, Merida didn't end up getting married. Um, uh, it's possibly Merida. <laughs> Merida, it's Merida. Uh, possibly the bloodline's dead, and you know, now it's just elves. And speaking of bloodlines being dead, is your battery dead? You ever come out after a, a long night, long slumber, maybe a short slumber? You didn't get as much sleep as you wanted, but you still got to go to work. The coffee's cold. Maybe it's burnt. The wife's asleep. Maybe she's awake and uh, and uh, 
she's telling you to get to work and you, you go to your car and your battery's dead who do you call AutoZone. oh AutoZone. Merida. Yeah. Merida. you call Merida. you call a medieval scottish archer yeah yeah there you go yeah AutoZone. <laughs> proud proud sponsor of Merida. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> moving along music mm-hmm. not a lot here either but we do got some different stuff this film score was composed by, I think it's Michael, but maybe it's Mikel. Anyone who spells Michael with a Y, I don't know. I can't blame you, but your parents are, are questionable individuals. But Michael and Jeff Dana. Also confusing that you named one of your kids Jeff. Like, you can definitely tell who the favorite in the family there is. You got Michael with a Y and you got Jeff. Jeff. Well, it's like uh, like our, our buddy Randy Newman and, uh, or no, not, who, what's Randy Newman's cousin's name? Thomas. Yeah, Thomas Newman. It's one of those just, again, like, imagine going to like a family reunion. It's like, oh, hey, there's there's famous cousin Randy and there's, there's Thomas. Cool. Hey, Tom. But at least, like, they both have, like, names. I mean, Michael with a Y and Jeff is, like, having... Your kids be like John J O H N, and then like uh, uh, lavender <laughs> with a Y. I, I, where would you put that Y? That's what I'm saying. Why would you put a Y in Michael? Fair enough. Okay. All right. Moving along. I don't know a lot about Michael and Jeff Dana. Um, yeah, yeah. I I really don't. Um, Maybe try to figure something out here on the fly, but uh, yeah, they're they're yeah. composers. Um, they've won Golden Globes and Oscars, uh, best score for Life of Pi. Um, so yeah, read the book, never saw the movie, heard it was good, but yeah, yeah, freaking tiger on a boat. You kidding me? <laughs> Get me off that boat, you know. <laughs> These guys have done a number of films, but yeah, it looks like uh, Life of Pi was their big one. I'm trying to find anything recently. Oh, they co-composed uh, Adam's Family 2, which yeah. is coming out right now, or maybe in theaters right now, as well as co-composed the first one. So, um, And they co-composed the, the Good Dinosaur. So yeah, we did talk to him a little bit, or talk about them a little bit on that one, didn't we? I don't remember that at all, but we must have, yeah. Yeah, we did. We did talk about that. They worked on Life of Pi then? Yeah. We're rusty, man. It's been a while. We're, we're, we're old, you know? Well, also, I mean, also, we just, you know, <laughs> drink a lot on the podcast. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, Brandy Carlisle recorded the song Carried Me With You for the film's end credits, co-written by Phil and Tim Hanseroth. So, Brandy Carlisle. Big solo artist, um, chart topper. Yeah, kind of cool. That'll probably be our closing song. Big fan of uh, AutoZone. Is she? Of course. I mean, who isn't these days? That's true. That's true. Um, and our final music. Ah, nope, nope, nope. I, t- I, t- I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. Ah, nope, nope. It is our final one. Um, nope, nope, nope. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that, oh, so not much. even a final music pack. That was just the last. One. That was it. Yeah, I I realized I still had a fact from Coco on the bottom there. So. 
Oof. 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 That's yeah, uh. <laughs> and uh, shredding our important documents out here. I'm I'm redacting them thoroughly. You wanna run outside, put them on the grill? Yeah. Yeah. There we there go. You go. Proud there of you. Go. Thanks, man. Yeah. Don't make a mess in the studio. Um. Oh, my, sorry, Nate. My dog ate my fun facts. <laughs> Can I get an extension? Can, Can I, I get, get an extra credit? <laughs> I mean, you are a student now. Yeah. You can get extra credit. I do. I get extra credit most weeks. How do you get extra credit most weeks? Uh, by doing my extra credit. Who offers that much extra credit? Classes that are really hard where I swear the teachers don't expect you to pass. Oh. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I've got one class where uh, i got three extra credit points each week. And that class is very hard. So mm-hmm. you better believe it. I'm going to, you know, tell the teacher what I like that she's doing and what I don't like that she's doing for three points each week because it's, it's easy money. Wow. Yeah. Kind of seems like a weird way to do it. Like, hey, review my class and get get points. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, to each their own. I mean, it's probably helping her become a better teacher. Yeah. That seems like she's probably on the back nine of teaching. Oh, yeah. One of them, you know. Never mind then. Yeah. Maybe it's just a thing she's done for so long that she doesn't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm picking up on so many things right now that, like, when I have my own classroom, that... Or your that gymnasium. I, or my gymnasium, yeah. My dojo. Things yep. that I will do or not do. Um, honestly, it's the best, like, I don't want to say free experience because I'm definitely paying for it, but it is very good experience pre-student teaching, just like... Yo, that was really cool. And, like, letting a teacher know when you mm-hmm. appreciate that they do something. Or, like, if you see they're doing something that's really not cool, and then they ask you at the end of the week, let me know what I could do better. Like, you owe it to them and yourself to let them know that. Especially with online classes. Like, I get it if you got some anxiety about facing a teacher face-to-face, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a power position. But if you don't have the guts to, you know, tell a teacher what's up through a anonymous message board more or less or a faceless message board then that's on you that's on you yeah this uh, episode of suds buds was brought to you by the letter i for an initiative so take some and the letter a for AutoZone. AutoZone. well um let's see we don't have any villains in this movie no villains um yeah no no villains um movie wise I don't know. I'd probably have to look at the ranking sheet again. It's not my favorite movie that I've seen, but they got... Um, I don't know, they, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of really cool scenes. There's some really fun visuals. Also, just the constant medieval gimmicks throughout the whole movie. Um, I don't know, though. I go, I go back and forth on that. Um, thing I'm not going back and forth on though is this beer. Uh, again, we've got the uh, Enchanted Forest um, from Elm Creek Brewing. Um, was it Strata Hops? Can I see that can again? Yeah, I think Strata Hops. Um, brewed, yeah, packed with Strata and then heavily dry hopped with Strata again. Um, honestly, it 
It's weird. I, I've been kind of off that hazy train for a while now, but this is probably one of a few hazies that I've actually thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I'm getting all of those fruit notes that they kind of said were there. Um, I always wish, you know, hazies would do higher car, but that's not the style, and that's fine, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm probably going to put this at, like, uh, I think I'm going to do 4-4 four, four with this one. 4-4. Four, 4-4 four. Four, four coming in. What was the, the hot Fable blend again forest. one more time? It was a Whirlpool of Strata, and then Dry Hop with Strata and Vic Secret Hops. So did you like this beer like toe to toe more than the Hef, or did you just like this beer for its style more than the Hef? For its style more than the Hef. But like if you were just gonna like grab a beer out of a cooler, you'd probably be happier with the Hef. Yes, the Hef I'd be happier with. But like, it, it's one of those things like going through all these episodes that I've kind of realized like, it's not really fair to compare, you know, a style I don't like, to a style that I do like. I got. I shouldn't say that I don't like hazies, but just in general, it's not my go-to. But I think this is a really well done hazy, and uh, I think it deserves that credit. Um, I don't know. I'm very much a fan of this beer. Nice. Um, I really like it too. I think it's good. I think it's strong. I mean, this mm-hmm. one is like eight and a half. Yeah. But like that pineapple nose you get, like right off. Like, just even coming into it, it's pineapple. Like, it's boozy, though. Like, right away, I'm just like, it kind of gives me like this chill of just like, oh, I mean, it's, you can taste that heat in your mouth, which is kind of weird from like a hazy IPA. Well, I mean, it is a double. Yeah, yeah. True. Even though, like, Blackstack, like, when they get real high, you know, octane with their double dry hop hazies and stuff like that, they're usually not as intense. Mm-hmm. This is good. I just, I think it's a one and done beer for me. I would buy it again, but it's not something I'm gonna session a few in the evening. No. Um I don't give a lot of round number reviews, but I'm probably gonna give it a four. Okay. Um yeah, eighty percent solid B minus for me. Um can I get extra credit? Get it? That was a callback. It, it, it was, was a good back. one. Yeah. Hey, good thanks. Thanks. Good um Yeah. Four for me, four four from you. Uh, 4-2 on the Revelation and Elm Creek collab, Hef. So, yeah. Got some pretty high-ranking beers here. High-ranking beers today. It sounds like I need to go check out Elm Creek, because they were involved in both of these. Yeah. But uh, about a minute ago, I ran out of the studio to go grab the um, ranking sheet here. Got a spreadsheet that's got all of our film rankings having a tough time putting this one in a good place because I think uh, it definitely falls below Coco for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely falls below Toy Story 4. I think it falls below Wally 2. And I think it falls below Toy Story 3. But I'm kind of like, I get stuck at the Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 is currently holding my number 11 spot. And I got Good Dinosaur at 12. So I definitely like this more than Good Dinosaur. Not by a huge margin, but by a margin. Mm-hmm. Um... So for me, the decision is, does this take the 11 spot or does it take the 12 spot and push Good Dinosaur down? Basically, is it better than Incredibles 2 or is it better than Good Dinosaur? 
I think for me personally, Incredibles is... How do I want to put this? Incredibles 1 is Pixar at arguably its best. Um, Incredibles 2, well, I don't think it's a bad film. I mean, it does have like our best villain so far, or one of them. Um, Let's say your best villain. Yeah, one of the most sinister villains we've had. Mm. I will die on this Miles Axelrod Hill. Somehow the worst movie and the most, like the, yeah, the most evil villain. I just think that, is it Evelyn? Yeah. I think she was a lot more sinister in like what she was capable of. And I know we've talked about this before, but like she is, she is if Grimes was smarter than Elon Musk and she probably is. And, um, you know, have the ability to totally extort him for all of his powers and technological resources and basically become a, a super villain is more or less what Evelyn embodies. Um, but yeah, I for me, onward number eleven, I like it more than Incredibles two, but I don't like it as much as Toy Story three. Oh, oh. and I will pass the ratings over to you, Nate. You're on the right column. Ooh, yeah, yeah, solid. yeah. There we are. Um, this is gonna be a bit higher for me actually. Uh, I'm gonna put it. I'm actually putting it also right up front. Or in front of the good dinosaur. And probably in front of Finding Nemo, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I had a little more fun with this movie than Finding Nemo. Um, Finding Nemo is just one of those, like, it's a really well done, but it's that movie's always been kind of slow to me. It is, but, like, okay, here's my thing. And maybe I'm kind of coming up with the rating system on the fly, but... If you're going to throw a Pixar movie on in the background, you know, maybe you got a date and you're having dinner or something, or maybe you're doing something around the house and you just want something soothing on in the background. Like I kind of take that into account for my Pixar ratings because like, I think Ratatouille is a movie that could be like a soundtrack to my day easily, you know, just have that on loop finding Nemo kind of in the same way. While I like this movie, I think in order to have fun with it, it does require some audience engagement. I don't think it's a movie that you can just kind of appreciate its beauty and its soundtrack at a glance. I do think it's a movie that really leans on its story, which is actually pretty solid. Sure. Um, you you might have just kind of influenced because it was right neck and neck. Um yeah. The one thing I really do love about Finding Nemo is like those giant oceanscapes. Beautiful. Those huge shots. Um, Even like the dentist's office. There's something charming about those scenes like with that dentist. Yeah. And like the aquarium fish and like, I don't know, that movie's just really bright and it's kind of got that jazzy kind of, you know, that lounge (laughs) vibe to it in the background that I really like. But Ratatouille again, you kind of have that you know italian wine bar pizzeria french bistro vibe going on like it feels like you're walking through like a european market kind of sure um um so yeah for me i'm gonna put this at number 10 then so that's gonna knock good dinosaur down it is right below finding nemo thank you for talking me out of being rash there well i'm also one of those like you see it like 
This movie's fresh in my head. I haven't seen Finding Nemo now in a couple, yeah, quite a few weeks. Um, I guess I got Good Dinosaur is really good. I think this one is just a little more fun. Like, I could kind of root for the characters a little more. Good Dinosaur, as we talked, like, Arlo is basically just Arlo for the entire movie until, like, the very end. More substance, too, here with this one. Like, Good Dinosaur kind of seems like it's a little flat. And, I mean, like, they dive into some heavier themes. But I think, like, this movie is probably very similar to Good Dinosaur with, like, its theme of dealing with uh, an adolescent losing a father figure. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think w- the film's commentary on that subject matter is a lot more profound in this film. I sure. think the journey's a lot more profound. Um, we kind of talked about Arlo's mom. Like, Arlo's mom was a weird character that we loved but felt should have gotten more. And I think one thing Onward does really well that... It's something that's very foreign to children's films, right? This is something... It's a, it's a, a kind of a, a story device that exists like in a lot of like television comedies, sitcoms. And I feel like a lot of like feature length comedies and it's having like an A, B and C plot. Mm -hmm. Pixar almost never uses that very rarely. The only examples I can think of are like Toy Story and then like maybe Finding Nemo with the aquarium. But like this film has a fantastic B plot with um, their mom, Ian and Barley's mom with um, the... The Manticore. Manticore. Um, and I loved that. If anything, I think that could have gotten like 10 minutes more screen time. I loved their dynamic as kind of just being like angsty, badass moms. It was somehow two road movies in one. It was. And yeah. like that to me was like a very unique thing for Pixar that shows me that they're a film studio that is still growing even now 20 some films in and that to me is a promising sign so while onward may not have been their best work it may not have been their highest grossing film i put it at number 11 you put it at 10 i do think there's a lot to be taken away from this that shows us that pixar is in a good place yeah and i think that'll be reinforced as we move along to soul um but yeah man this uh Man, I'm still looking at my my rating. Like, is it really a double digit movie? Is it really that low? But also, I got to realize <laughs> that's not a bad rating at this nope. point because we're 22 films in. Yes. So, that's onward, high middle of the pack. Yeah, and then you look at the films that I put this better than. Like, I liked this more than Incredibles two. I liked it more than Toy Story two. I liked it more than Inside Out, more than Brave, more than Cars, more than Monsters U, more than Finding Dory, Cars three, Cars two. I think I feel all right about it. Yeah. I think any higher might be a stretch and any lower might be a disservice for both of us. So that's pretty fair. Pixar's back, baby. Pixar's back with this one. <laughs> Actually, Pixar is back with Coco for being honest. Yeah. Pixar, they lost their way, you know, they lost their way, they lost their way. Some might say they found it with inside out. I would argue Coco was their return to form, but, uh, Our return to form will be next Thursday. As always, we drop content every Thursday for your beautiful ears. Um, You can find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and PodMN. 
be sure to uh, share it as Mr. Justin did last week. We appreciated that. He shared it on Instagram. Um, yeah. Throw us a follow, subscribe, uh, review. That's also really cool. We appreciate that. Um, if you just can't get enough of our content, follow us on Instagram. We post goofy images on there every week. Nate is a little uh, graphic design wizard. He's always uh, photoshopping my, my face into weird places. I got a lot of great Eric faces. Yeah. I, I'm coming up with a, a, a final project. Because we only got two episodes after this. I want like a collage. Oh, I like I got, I got Something collage. I can put on my wall. Something I can post here, you know. I, I save all of the cutouts that I make. Every single one of them. Can you have, you know, like movie posters have like the tiny little like, it's always like that same font at the bottom where it's like mm-hmm. starring and all the producers. Can you do that? And like the coming soon date and everything. But have the coming soon date be my next birthday and have all the names starring just be me repeated. But in like different sizes of font. I could probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that wouldn't be that hard. Yep. Right. Well, you heard it here. I just uh, commissioned another project for Nate. He said it was free. So, I mean, I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> I did not say it was free. Um. Yeah. Good beers today. Good talks with the buds. Suds and buds. That's what this show is all about. So. Yeah, email us, follow us on Instagram. That's uh, sudsbudspod at gmail.com, sudsbudspod on Instagram, and all the stuff I just said with the podcast shit. Yeah, it's it's time to get out of here, hit the dusty old trail, and go onward. Ew. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. You're the soul who Scars and made me who I am Through the drifting sands of time I got your back and you got mine If you bear a heavy load I'll be your wheels, I'll be the road I'll see us through Darkness of the blue I was just too
see us through. 